Today's scripture lesson for the 10th Sunday after Pentecost comes from the book of Exodus chapter 16, verses 2 through 4 and 9 through 15. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way I will test them whether they will follow my instruction or not. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked towards the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat bread, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. The word of the Lord. Well, people of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. This past February, we set what I believe to be a record here at Underwood Lutheran. Last February, three Sundays in a row, back to back to back weekends, weather caused us to cancel our in-person services. To my knowledge, based on the recollection of everyone that I have talked to, at least in living memory, that has never happened here at Underwood Lutheran before, where we lost three weeks in a row of in-person activity because of weather. Now, prior to this past February, the old record was two in a row. And I can remember this happening. This actually happened a handful of years ago, probably two or three or four years back, when also in February, that seems to be our month here in Underwood, two Sundays in a row, weather came up and caused the same sort of cancellation. And hey, that's wintertime in Iowa. It happens. Sometimes it, it goes on and we can't control it. But that was the situation. Now, as I think back to that, as I think back to those two-week period, whenever it was, a few years back, something happened. Not the first week, but the second, when I realized, okay, weather's got us tripped up. For now, the second week in a row, we're not having any worship. We're not having any education. I wanted to do something to sort of offset that. Now, by that point in my own work, I had already begun dabbling in various aspects of digital ministry, producing various resources to be, to be put out online for folks to access. But one of the things that we had not done by that point was online worship. And so on this second Sunday in a row, I thought, well, in the very least, I want to put together something that folks can access so they've got some aspect of worship. Now, I can't remember if I did it by a Facebook Live or if I did a, a recording and put it on YouTube, kind of similar to the way that we do things now. But either way, I was sitting at my desk 
and I worked through the various aspects of worship, just kind of going through them quickly, almost jokingly, because I knew this was kind of a strange situation, included the sermon, kind of went through all of that, gave this short video that was worship for that particular Sunday. I remember after posting that, or after having that go out, I was talking with one of our members a week or so later, and he made the comment to me, he's like, well, you know, it was okay, but I wouldn't want to do that every week. Now, I can't help but laugh as I think back to that moment a few years back, especially as we consider now that this is our reality, that we have gone bigger in our various digital ministry, and that every single week we include an online worship service. I mean, you're watching it right now, literally, as we're speaking here. It's kind of a funny thing, but at that time, it was something new, it was different, it was perhaps unexpected, and at least in that moment, folks didn't really like it. It was different. Now, when I think about that aspect, I have to kind of laugh because I think if we know our history, we see that history tends to do this type of thing over and over and over again. When something new and unexpected happens and we don't know quite what to make of it. This is the exact setting from our reading today out of Exodus. Now, before I get into that, I have to back up a little bit just to fill in some of the history. Exodus is the second book of the Bible. It's preceded by Genesis. And I've heard various scholars talk about how the stories in Genesis help reveal to the people, to the Israelite people, how the world came into being and then how they found themselves in Egypt. Their time in Egypt is really when this small handful, this family of people grew into the entire culture. That is the history that led them to there. And if you know that history, you know that 400 years pass between the end of Exodus and the beginning of the book, or excuse me, between the end of Genesis to the beginning of the book of Exodus. During that 400 years, as the people grow, they lost favor with the Egyptians. Gradually, they are enslaved, and they live under slave labor. That is the life that they've been given. Now, here's a thought. I don't know about you, but I've never known anyone that's lived for more than 400 years. So it stands to reason that every single one of those people at the beginning of the book of Exodus that is all they had known. That had been their entire life. They were born into slavery. They lived through it. That is their reality. Now, over and over and over again, the people continue to cry out to God. And as we hear right at the beginning of the book of Exodus, God has heard their, their cries, and God sends a deliverer in Moses. Moses is sent to bring the people out of Egypt. But before that can happen, there are these amazing displays of God's power. We know them as the 10 plagues. This is something that I study with our confirmation kids every other year when we're looking at the biblical narrative. It's important stories from what we call the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures. It's all important. And these displays of God's power show not only this culture of the Israelites, but all of the world who is God. The Israelites have been witnesses to it. Plagues 1 through 10 culminates with the death of the firstborn of the Egyptians when finally Pharaoh has had enough and he says, go. Now that lasts for like five minutes. And as the Israelites leave Egypt, they camp by the edge of the Red Sea. Pharaoh changes his mind, sends out the army, goes along with it. 
We have this miraculous deliverance of God yet again when God parts the Red Sea, the Israelites walk through on foot, and then the waves all come back in and they're saved from the Egyptians. That has happened. In addition, we also hear in the narrative that God is literally leading the people as a pillar of cloud by day, what I can only imagine sort of looked like maybe a tornado, I don't know, but this pillar of fire by night. So God's presence is literally among the people, leading them. They've witnessed the plagues. They've witnessed the parting of the Red Sea and that miraculous thing. They've seen the presence of God, and that's not all. As they're wandering in the wilderness right before things pick up today, we also hear that the people get thirsty because, hey, they're out in the wilderness. There's not a lot of water out there. And God miraculously provides water for the people. We see how God continues to show these displays of power to deliver and to care for and to lead the people. All of that leads us up to this moment where we're at. Now, I oftentimes joke around that it's been about five minutes since they left Egypt. It's been a little bit longer than that, but it's only been about six weeks. If we think back six weeks, that takes us to about the second week of June. And I don't know about you, but I can still remember what was going on in June. And I think if I had seen those displays of power that they had been witness to, I probably would have remembered that. This is the setting when things pick up today. They're traveling, they're wandering in the wilderness, they've had these miraculous moments, but all they can seem to see, all the people can see is this issue, these hurdles, these hardships that are staring them right in the face. They are hungry. And even though God has shown them over and over and over again the way that God will continue to provide for them and care for them and lead them, the people seem to forget and they begin to grumble. And they grumble against Moses over and over and over again. And that's where we hear now. Why did you take us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? Remember how great it was there. We sat by the flesh pots. We ate all the food we wanted. It was so wonderful. All we had to do was be a slave. When I think about this moment, I think of this really very human tendency that I think every single one of us have to look back at the past with rose-colored glasses, as they say. When we're faced with hardship, when we're faced with the unknown, when we're faced with stuff we don't know how it's going to go and we don't know how to expect, we all begin to look back longingly at what we remember. And we tend to only remember the good stuff. For those Israelites, they remember the food because they're hungry. And maybe that's understandable, but what they seem to be forgetting is the conditions that they lived in to make that food possible. I find myself wondering if this repeats itself, if this is a singular situation or if it continues. And folks, this is where it's good to know our history because our biblical history shows us that this type of thing continues to repeat. Shortly after this moment that we hear about today, when God provides for the hunger of the people, providing food for them in the manna, this oddball little flaky bread that God continues to provide for them day after day after day after day, and when they get hungry for meat because they've had enough manna, we hear that God provides quail and, in fact, makes this almost joke. I'm going to give you so much meat, it's going to come out your nostrils, which is really weird, but that's in the scriptures too. We hear about that reference today as well. These things have been happening. And then as a little bit of time goes on and they continue to wander and they get closer to the promised land, and Moses sends some people to go scout out the promised land, and they bring back this report that's not really very great, and the people freak out again, and they decide, we don't want to go in there. God, why did you bring us out here? We're going to get killed by all the people who are in there. So God says, fine, you don't want to go in. You can wander until you're all dead. 
40 years goes by. But throughout the course of that 40 years, God is faithful to the people to continue to provide for them. Not only the manna that we hear about today, God promises your clothes will not wear out, your shoes will not break, I will provide for you and I will dwell among you. And that continues to happen over and over and over. From there, God is faithful to help them establish themselves in the promised land. God establishes them as a nation. God is faithful to them even when the people are not faithful to God. And yes, there are times throughout their history where it sort of seems like God pulls favor away from the people, where hardships come up, where they are conquered by other people. Sometimes they're hauled off into exile, which lasts for a few generations, and they see that same sort of thing that I'm sure the, the Israelites felt in Egypt. They were born into it, they will die into it, and will God be faithful? But God makes the promise to always be faithful, and regardless of the circumstances, we see God continues to keep that promise. For us, this same sort of thing has also gone on. I can't help but think that over the course of 2,000 years of the Christian church, since the promises of God were made real through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, there have been times when the church whether the entire church or small aspects, small branches of it, whichever way we want to look at it, have faced hardships. Hardships that they don't know how to overcome. They don't know what's going to happen. They don't know how to deal with it. All they know is they don't like it. It's uncomfortable, and it makes them look backwards of remember how good it used to be. For those of you who might not know, my wife is currently in seminary. And she's currently in a class where she's studying church history. And we always kind of chuckle as she's reading, and sometimes she'll stop and she'll read me a passage. The, the familiarity that it seems like as we look back, even at the right now she's studying the church here in America, uh, the history of the church over the last few hundred years. And a lot of the same problems that we as the church are facing right now, and we think, well, it didn't used to be this way, are exactly lined out in almost the exact same way, no matter how far back we look. And yet we have that same tendency that the Israelites have of looking backwards with rose-colored glasses when the hardships in front of us seem insurmountable. I think this is good for us to remember today, right now, as we are looking forward through the end of summer. I mentioned at the beginning of our video today that we're thinking about our program year and the resuming of, of education and things of that nature, and we're all hopeful that that's going to happen. But I got to say it, in the last couple of weeks, all this Delta variant with COVID is really, really, really concerning. And all the progress that we had made in a good direction now sort of seems to be turning around here locally, and I don't know what to make of that. None of us like the idea of having to return to precautionary measures that gradually we've gotten away from as the pandemic had been improving. Even saying it, I don't even like saying it, and I don't like considering it, and yet we have to as we, as we continue to face the reality of what's going on and ask the questions of how do we best care for ourselves, care for one another, and care for the community that we are a part of. That's scary. That's perhaps frustrating. Maybe you don't like hearing it. You probably like thinking about it even less. I'm right there with you, and I'm looking back. I think many of us are looking back to this idea of, can't we just go back to what it was like pre-COVID? 
It was so great back then, but we got to ask the question and be honest with ourselves. Was it really? Regardless of how wonderful things might look in the rear view mirror, we need to remember that we are all still flawed, broken people, that the church is made up of flawed, broken people, and therefore the church itself is flawed and broken. But thanks be to God that the promise that God has made through Christ is that God takes that which is broken and makes it wonderful. God takes that which is flawed and calls it good. God is making all things new through Christ, but that continues to invite us forward into that unknown, oftentimes difficult and frustrating future. I hope that we can hold on to that knowledge, to that Reminder: these stories that we are given over and over and over again in the scripture of the God who is faithful to the promises which are made to continue to be with us and to provide for us even in ways that don't make any sense, even in ways that we cannot see as we look into that unknown future. God is faithful to that promise. Over and over and over again, we see that even in the times when we fail to measure up. Because let's face it, We all go through that because we're all human and there's only one human that was perfect and he lived 2,000 years ago and then he died 2,000 years ago and then he was raised 2,000 years ago. That promise made real through that life, death, and resurrection of Jesus means that God is for you, that God takes joy in you, that God takes delight in you, and that God will be faithful to the promises made to you even in the moments when it might not feel like. May we remember that as we continue to move together into this unknown future, into whatever it is that God is inviting us forward into.